Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. You can't afford Christmas trees. I mean, maybe you can afford a Christmas tree, uh, but the story goes you can't afford Christmas trees. Oh, don't get me wrong. I've got plenty to say about this Brittany Griner deal. You've heard me talking about it. I'll get more into it, I promise. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. Find everything. TonyKatz.Locals.com. Brittany Griner no longer in a Russian prison. Uh, she will be uh, in the U.S. shortly, if not already here. Uh, and then, of course, there's going to be a lot of commentary. A lot of commentary in the days and, and weeks ahead. I promise to get into that. Trading out... For Brittany Griner, as was done, um, someone they refer to as the Merchant of Death, an arms dealer. It's it's really, really ugly, ugly stuff. But there are things happening in our lives that have people much more concerned. The top line story is often the sensational story. It's not necessarily the story of our life. The story of our life is that Christmas trees are outrageously expensive. Now, if I was a guy who celebrated Christmas, I would totally be a live tree guy. I know it. I know me. If I celebrated Christmas, I would be the guy who does the lights. And they would be amazing. Not seen from space. They would just be perfect classic. No amount of money left unspent. The kids would not go to college. They would only eat two meals a day, but daddy would have incredible lights and people would go, my gosh, what a house. And I'd be like, finally, I feel like a man. Wait, hold on. None of that would happen, but I'd still have pretty fantastic lights. But the Christmas tree, because they claim pandemic challenges, increased demand and supply chain disruptions are all affecting tree prices, which in many parts of the United States are up 25%. According to, and I swear to you, this association exists because this is, an Amer- this is America and there's an association for everything. The American Christmas Tree Association, true group, true group, prices are up not only uh, because of the supply chain issues, Drought and trees not growing fast enough. The average, though, 10 to 15%. How many more 10 to 15% can America really take? I say this as I can clearly say that gas prices have come down. I saw 329 in Indianapolis. 329 a gallon, not 429 a gallon. That's much, much better. It's still a buck ahead of where we were when Biden took office, but it is better than 429 a gallon. And so people look at those gas prices and say, oh, I guess everything's good. At least that's what we're told in the top line story. Once again, a great example. What will you hear? Gas prices are down. Everything's better. The economy's looking strong. Your Christmas tree, your Christmas meal, the gifts, all are up. Up huge. I've shared with you that I'm, I'm going to go on vacation. I, f- I found it. I'm going on vacation. Not the vacation I wanted. Not the place I, I-, I wanted in terms of uh, the-, the-, the hotel. Not doing all the things I wanted to do. I have been waiting for, I think, two years. I wanted to go. 
I'm going. Getting away. Not even going to see family, to which the family is not necessarily pleased with Tony. But I wanted to be with my family. I wanted to be left alone. And so I'm doing it. And people are like, that's so selfish. No, it's not. It's your vacation. You are entitled. Yes, you are. It, wait, I should say, if you can afford it, if you've earned it, you're entitled to take the vacation you choose to. You do not have to take the vacation of obligation. That's a better way to say that. That's how I mean it. Because you're not entitled to a vacation. But the only reason we're going is because the l- amount of searching I did, I found the deal. Hiding in the haystack behind the needle. The prices are surreal, whether it's it's flights or whether it's hotel. If I couldn't find a deal, we, we would not have gone. It would have been a staycation. And it would have been okay. I would have been relaxed, but it I, I'm, I'm happy to be able to have the opportunity to go. But I know that's rare because a lot of people are like, oh, can't afford it this year because everything else is up. And so there, this, this disconnect, as we always talk about, between Wall Street and Midwest Main Street is very true. But the disconnect between the stories that they tell you are important and the things that are important in your life, that's what gets most frustrating. They are not concentrating on the things that are actually happening to you. And I think it's imperative. And I, I, am, I am not a naysayer. I, I am a guy, the glass is half full and let's go find another glass. I think it's just important to constantly be recognizing that if everyone wants to talk about Brittany Griner, they can. There is great importance to this story. It doesn't change the fact that you aren't able to see Mima, or you couldn't afford those nine gifts or three gifts or the, 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 the meal itself, the everyday things. That's the story. That's the big deal. That's the conversation piece. And with, without that recognition, sometimes you can go mad. I don't plan on going mad. I don't plan on going crazy at all. Maybe that's why I took the vacation, which I didn't do in the summer. I didn't take a summer vacation. Why? Couldn't afford it. I was actually fearful that people would somehow relapse into a COVID insanity, that nobody would be working, and then I'd, I'd travel somewhere, and, uh, and there'd be no hotel, and then nobody would be working. I, I, I got myself into, into a thing. I wasn't totally wrong. Certainly, uh, the prices of flights went up and have not come back down yet. But that's the real world, what we're living in, what we're experiencing. And to, to not recognize it, and I think a lot of people are doing a very bad job of recognizing what's happening right here at home. Uh, I'm not going to be one of those people. We're going to recognize what's happening here at home. What's happening over at Purdue? They got themselves a football coach? Are they losing a football coach? That story up next. Keep it here. I'm Tony Katz. So what is going on with Coach Brom? Is that man going to Louisville? Is there any hope of keeping him at Purdue? Does Purdue even necessarily worry about if they can keep him at Purdue? Because, well, it isn't easy to find a coach. I mean, just look at what happened with the Indianapolis Colts. And Well, wait a second. Why aren't the Colts a spot 
that Brom could land. Am I just out of my head? Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Guys, it's good to be with you. Find everything. TonyKatz.Locals.com. It's just that easy. TonyKatz.Locals.com. That's how it's done. Spoke to JMV from 93.5-1075, the fan, uh, about the situation. And, you know, as, as a sports day, it got dominated by the knowledge that Brittany Griner was freed from Russia. It was a deal made by the president, Joe Biden, and that deal sends, well, a a, a known Russian arms dealer back to Russia. And there are serious questions about whether this deal has makes any sense. You did a one-for-one trade. You left a former Marine, I should say, former retired Marine, Paul Whelan there. There's still a school teacher that, that, that's there. And there were these people cheering this, and I get it. You want to cheer an American coming home. For anything I could say about Brittany Griner, I could say a great number of things. For anything that I could say, you still want her home. I think that is the proper move. You still want Americans brought back home. To say otherwise, I think is very, very awkward. This is not even me saying that she doesn't uh, get the blame or ridicule for bringing uh, this cannabis uh, pen back into the U.S. And I've heard people say, well, it was medically prescribed. Does it matter? It matters only if it's legal in Russia or not. That's the argument. So people are, are just desperate to make excuses and then there were people like van jones on cnn saying it's important uh, this moment is important because you could not let that black icon be treated like garbage bringing race into it randy weingarten who leads the, the american federation of teachers that union that screwed over all your kids it's important that we have freed this black gay icon this is how we view things now? Well, look, we want them to be free, but let's check all the boxes. Let's see if they check all the boxes, and then we can decide whether or not they're worth it. Oh, the white man, he stays. Because that is de facto what they're saying. That's madness. And it goes to the idea of whether or not we think this deal makes any sense. So that, that is like the, the, the major story of the day, but what's going on with Coach Brom absolutely is a big story right here in Indiana, and I spoke to JMV about it. We move it back over uh, there, JMV, to the story out of Purdue where yeah. Coach Brom, he's going to be heading to Louisville, but all the reporting uh, that I had seen uh, o- o- over the n- overnight was about, it's reported that he's about to sign a deal with Louisville. So is he signing the deal with Louisville? Is, is he going to Louisville? And why specifically Louisville? Tony, he is up and gone because Louisville is his home. And this is kind of the sequel uh, to what was the original a couple of years ago when that opened up. That was before Scott Satterfield took the job at Louisville. And that is the reason why this job is opened up again, because Satterfield bailed from Louisville to Cincinnati. And the first time around, Jeff Rom talked about the timing just wasn't right for him to bail and go back home. But you always kind of knew if you were a Boilermaker fan that at some point in time, this was going to pop back up again. And I get it. We all love and embrace home. Um, you know, for example, if I were someplace else and had the opportunity to come back here, uh, it'd take a lot for me not to come back here because, again, this is home. This is where he went to college. Uh, this is where he grew up. His family, Tony, the Braun family in Louisville is is kind of like on a much lower scale the Manning clan, if you will. I mean, they're, they're well-known for being a very athletic family, but they're well-known for being dialed in in the uh, Louisville area and with uh, the Louisville Cardinals. 
So it makes all the sense in the world. And I'm assuming this this was something that Mike Bensky, the AD at Purdue, had been aware at some point he was going to have to deal with because Jeff Brom, if that opportunity came about again, was going to bail. And that's exactly what he's doing. So the deal's done, it's completed, it's finished, and does that mean he's leaving before the ball game? Well, um, it's not officially uh, – there's nothing official that has been released, but those are the reports he met with the team yesterday and, and told them of his intentions. And, no, he will not – you know, once this all gets done, probably sometime today, will not be coaching in the bowl game, the Citrus Bowl. But here's an interesting twist. His brother, Brian Brom – who is on the staff at Purdue will be one of less than a handful of offensive assistants of Jeff Brom that apparently is going to hang around. And Brian Brom is, again, reportedly going to coach in that bowl game. So how weird is that? There's some more weird news on top of weird news for you this morning right there. So the brother doesn't go with the brother to coach back home. Oh Yeah, the brother brother still may go. Uh, Maybe, maybe not. The brother may get an interview for the Purdue head coaching job, which is something I'm assuming you're going to ask about in a second. But, yeah, he may get – Brian Brown may end up getting an interview uh, for the, the Purdue job. I mean, he may very well end up in Louisville as well following following Jeff. But, yeah, as it stands, telling me from Golden Black Illustrated and others up in West Lafayette that Brian Brown is going to be that logical choice to coach in the bowl game, of which uh, Jeff Brown will not. And he will be taking a number of – his assistants with him. And here's something else, Tony, we're going to watch how many of these players at Purdue now will thrust themselves into the transfer portal. And if maybe a couple of those end up with Jeff Brom down in Louisville, we'll see. Talking to JMV from 93.5107.5 The Fan. We talk about some of those coaches who could come in and replace Abram. One of the names on that list I think is pretty fascinating, and that's the name of Jim Leonard, uh, who is out of Wisconsin. Um, He's been there since uh, 2016, played uh, in in the NFL, uh, elevated to interim head coach of the Badgers. He went four and three. He has a win over Purdue, but he doesn't get the coaching job. That goes to Luke Fickle from Cincinnati. So you've got this guy who came in under very harsh conditions, showed some success, has got a history, and now he's out there because he's already said, I'm not coming back to Wisconsin. Forget the Chiefs. I'm out. How uh, how does he? What is his path to becoming a boilermaker? Um, you know, I know here's here's why I would doubt that very seriously is because Purdue to me is going to focus in on somebody with an extensive background offensively, and whether this is going to be a young or you know an older type of coach, I think that what is going to be apparent here is that they are going to go with somebody that has an offensive background. You know, Purdue is kind of known as the the cradle of quarterbacks and you know, getting up and down the field offensively. That's why they ended up bringing Jeff Brom in from Western Kentucky was because of his offensive philosophies and what he got done down in Bowling Green. And that's why you look at somebody like Tyson Helton. Tyson Helton is the head coach down at at Western Kentucky, where Jeff Brom came from when he became the Boilermaker head coach. Uh, Tyson Helton is the younger brother of Clay Helton, once upon a time was the head coach at USC. He has that offensive pedigree that I believe that Purdue is going to be 
looking for. And then there's a guy from Fort Wayne that's a former wide receiver at Purdue that is, I think, in charge at Washington under Kalen DeBoer, who is the head coach there, in charge of the offense, putting the offense together, kind of an OC quarterback's coach. His name is Demarcus Shepard. That is an outside name that not a lot of people are talking about that could end up being the case. I guess what I'm saying is overall, this is going to be, in my opinion, an offensive, a heavy lean to an offensive coach, whether we're talking about a coordinator or an already established coach in college football. When we go back to discussing Brom and and, and Louisville, I I ask myself the question, outsider looking in, if this is a coach that's looking for something else, looking for opportunity, going back home again is one thing, but there's another Indiana football team that could really use a coach right now. Does that not get considered that the Colts could say, hey, he's looking, let's go talk to him? (laughs) No, 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 no. Uh, Brom Brom is, the reason why Brom's making this move is because that's, what he calls home, and and that's what he wants to be a part of now. And, hey, Tony, you look at it this way, too, with Purdue. It makes you wonder. So this year they go to the Big Ten title game, and and you wonder if you hit with that program the ceiling, right? So even beyond the fact that he's going home, you wonder if you've hit that ceiling. You've got USC and UCLA coming in. Matt Rule from the NFL is going to coach Nebraska got all this other stuff. You know, Luke Fickle, as you mentioned, also with Wisconsin and the Big Ten West. You wonder what that's going to do to the Big Ten West. And with the ACC, that path to get to what is going to be, you know, the new look as far as the college football playoff is concerned, you're going to get, you know, an ACC opportunity. You would have to think that even at Louisville, that path with, you know, considering Clemson, Florida State, uh, and, and where they are right now might be an easier path in the present day. So I think it is beyond just going home. It is an opportunity that is not going to be with the additions that are still going to come in to the Big Ten and having to battle the Big Ten East. So there's a lot. Home's number one, but probably even more so of an opportunity in wondering, Tony, if you ceilinged out at Purdue. And now the Colts, the Colts are going to be interesting. Their coaching surge. We'll talk about that, I know, extensively as we move further down the line. But, yeah, Jeff Brown would get zero consideration in it. Well, maybe Well, maybe that's that. Maybe that's that. If, if Coach Brown is going to get zero consideration as a, Colt when the, uh, as a Colts coach, then that's the answer. Maybe that's absolutely right. I think it is uh, for a lot of people. They're like, oh, man, just when things are starting to go good. Just when things are starting to go good. Uh, the pull is what the pull is, and the heart wants what the heart wants. And also, there's cash involved. And the money, when you're a head coach, not too shabby. Not too shabby at all. There's more to get to. Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz Today. The National Defense Authorization Act is always a bit of controversy. You'll have those people who don't actually want to fend defense, uh, fund defense of the United States at all. You'll have people who say we spend way too much on the defense of the United States. Of course, the argument on the other side is, have we not noticed exactly how many threats to the United States exist? 
And how about what we've already done to our military, especially when it comes to the U.S. Navy and the lack of ships. But this year, it seems the biggest conversation is about vaccines and whether or not the NDAA will put an end to the forced vaccination of those in the military. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. Congressman Jim Banks joins us right now. Chairman of the Republican Study Committee represents the third district of Indiana. That is the Fort Wayne area of Indiana. Good to have you here. Before we get into the NDAA, sir, the news breaking this morning of the trade, the prisoner swap, uh, Victor Bout for the uh, star from the WNBA, American Brittany Griner. A lot of conversations about not getting Paul Whelan, a uh, retired Marine out. There are still other Americans that are being uh, detained. How this deal makes sense, doesn't make sense. Uh, you Were you briefed on the deal uh, before it, it went down, before hearing about it, the news breaking this morning, and your take on what it is the Biden administration did? Yeah, of course, uh, we were not uh, briefed in any way, any meaningful way on the trade, uh, Tony. So this was news to most members of Congress, like it has been to the rest of the American people. The most unfortunate part being that we left a Marine, a former, a, a former service member behind and uh, and picked someone else, you know, I, for for whatever reasons instead. So not not a not a great deal for America giving over an arms dealer that were, you know, a dangerous person that we suspect will go back to their dangerous activities in exchange, uh, in the exchange. So we'll see how this plays out, but I don't have a good feeling about it. Is, is it normal? Is there a standard practice to which members of, of Congress, whether it be armed services or, or another uh, committee, uh, members of the Senate would have been briefed, would have known that these negotiations were going on? Yeah, I can't speak to whether or not Speaker Pelosi was briefed on it or Chuck Schumer, the leader of the Senate. I, I have no idea if they were briefed on it. They haven't. They haven't told us. I'm not, I don't expect Nancy Pelosi is going to call me and tell me that she was briefed on it. But she didn't make that publicly known at this point. So if if there was any consultation, I'm not aware of it. Uh, the American people, though, are going to judge whether or not it was a good deal. And so far, the outcry over uh, the the people that we left behind um, is. I think the, you know the public is well aware that this perhaps wasn't the best deal for our country. I think one of the conversations uh, that ha- comes forward is what are the ramifications of something like this? When you talk about somebody like Victor Bout, who they refer to as the merchant of death, this arms dealer, uh, it isn't that Brittany Griner was unworthy of coming back to the United States. For whatever people want to say uh, about her politically, you still have an American being detained. You can't have faith in the Russians. I certainly don't. Even though she was wrong to try and bring back uh, the cannabis pen, no matter it was a med- prescribed or not, this is Russia deciding to try and uh, engage a pressure point against the United States. The question is to the idea of the world stage and how does this play out in the eyes of, of the world? Uh, we've talked before, sir, about the weakness of the Afghanistan withdrawal. Is it your concern that this deal sends a message to China and to others about strength in the U.S. or is this really an isolated incident? Yeah, it's a. It, you said it very well. I mean, I, when I was serving in Afghanistan, Tony, I was there uh, in in uh, Kabul when they exchanged detainees from Guantanamo in exchange for the the deserter. I for, even forget his name at this point, but it wasn't a good deal. Uh, 
you've said it very well. I mean, the, the world will judge that this was a weak moment uh, of American leadership and, and a weak deal, and they will expect weak deals uh, in the future from this president as well. It's what they've come to expect from Joe Biden. He's the weakest commander-in-chief, in my opinion, that we've ever had in the White House, and, and this type of deal is another more evidence of it. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd uh, District, and we move now to the NDA, the National Defense Authorization Act, and we take a look at some of the things that are in here, that the defense budget is going to be 8% larger in 23 than it was in 22. We're talking about $858 billion is what we're looking at. Active duty personnel getting a 4.6% raise, which would be the highest uh, rate hike, pay hike in 20 years. But it also shows that Ukraine is going to receive $800 million in additional military assistance. What's the overall take on the NDAA and do we expect it uh, to pass? And well, what immediate effects do we get from it? Yeah, the the NDAA will pass here in about uh, in about 45 minutes on the House floor, and it, it includes a lot of really important uh, aspects. Everything related to the military is passed in this annual defense authorization bill. So, and, and including very specific provisions that are important to the Air Guard base in Fort Wayne, transitioning the A-10s to F-16s, and other matters that are important to our state, uh, but. The, the biggest part of it that's, that's worth celebrating today is that it will uh, save 60,000 service members from being wrongly fired due to the Biden uh, COVID mandates on our troops. So that's something that we fought for in the last a couple of weeks. Yesterday, um, it was, you know, the, the Congressional Black Caucus tried to sabotage the language. Others on the Democrat side tried to block this language from being included, but we were able to, to fight back and negotiate to make sure that the 60,000 service members who are still in uniform but are being threatened to be kicked out and fired, that their uh, that their their jobs, their positions will be saved. Now that doesn't count the um, the, the 15,000 or, or actually 6,000 service members who were already fired, and and in the in the next NDAA when Republicans are in the majority in the House, Tony, we're going to fight to reinstate those service members, give them back pay, put them back in uniform, give them a chance to serve our country. That's the next step. That's not included in this one, but the 60,000. And and that's uh, and that's where the I want to make sure we got to that differentiation. Uh, the the mandate is going to be repealed. That will take place 30 days after the bill is signed into law as I have uh, the the information. But it doesn't necessarily bring back those military members who were already let go. And you're telling me that the Republican-led House is going to work to make that happen. Yes, absolutely. Right now, we don't have the leverage to go that far, but this is a win in saving the 60,000 who are being threatened. The, the, the 6,000 who have already been fired, that's, that is our next step. And when we have the gavel, when we have the majority and, um, and we, we run the committee, I think we're going to have a better shot at getting that done. Let's take a look at one or two other things in the NDAA. I know you're up against time, and I appreciate you, you, you taking the time. Uh, there is the ability or the possibility of Taiwan receiving up to $10 billion in military aid um, over the next 10 years. The Pentagon going to be producing reports on China's strategy for the use of force on Taiwan. 
it seems to me interesting that we're going to look to a report to the future when China could be engaging an invasion of Taiwan any second. Anytime you, you, you turned around, anytime you open your eyes after a nap, you could have China invading a Taiwan. What does this $10 billion to and how does this uh, comport with our acceptance, feel the air quotes, sir, of the one China policy? Yeah, well, this is on top of what we've done before. So important support. I mean, you and I have talked about the porcupine strategy of China knowing that if they invade uh, Taiwan or try to take over Taiwan, they know there'll be hell to pay as a consequence. So arming them, provi- providing them with lethal aid and support as a deterrence to prevent that from happening has been the objective, uh, an objective that the Biden administration has fallen short in advancing the Trump administration had a more articulated strategy to do this. So, again, this is where the annual defense bill that we we, we spend all year working on is going to pass and go to the president tonight or tomorrow. It will provide more support and aid to do that. But this is where Congress has to provide that type of oversight of the administration, provide that type of um, accountability of the administration to push for these initiatives because they're, they're, they're important that we do. If we don't provide that type of accountability and oversight, then we that we'll continue to see the weak posture that the Biden administration has projected over the last couple of years. Before I let you go, one other thing about the NDAA, which is about our Navy and the building of, of ships. Uh, you take a look and uh, the Navy gets $32 billion for new ships, uh, three uh, Arleigh Burke uh, class destroyers, and these are guided missile uh, destroyers. They're built around the Aegis combat uh, system. They've got uh, the massive, massive capability, and the other being Virginia-class submarines. These are nuclear-powered attack submarines that have been with the U.S. Navy since 2004. I'm glad to see the actual building of ships again. The problem is that we need to be a Navy of over 300 ships if we're going to be truly effective, and yet we're not really there. Is this um, a finger in the dam, or is this actual movement to get back up to a place where our Navy Navy is formidable. Yeah, well, we're a long ways off uh, from where we need to build to be to build that 300 plus. Um, many of us would say 400 plus ship navy. So, and the only way to get there, Tony, is through sophisticated new technologies, autonomous uh, ships at sea, on the on, on on surface, underwater autonomy. That's how you build that modern, sophisticated navy that's bigger, better, stronger than the Chinese navy. So. This NDAA will get us a lot further toward that goal. Does it go far enough? I don't think. I don't think it. It never does. I mean, and, and is one way to put it. But we're going to keep fighting for that, pushing for that. When we here in, in in a short three weeks, when we lead the House Armed Services Committee and have a Republican Speaker, Republican-led House of Representatives, we'll be able to advocate for those for that position even stronger. Congressman Jim Banks represents the Indiana 3rd District, Fort Wayne area, chairman of the Republican Study Committee. Sir, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More is coming up. I'm Tony Katz. Afraid, Cecilia, I'm the satellite, and you're the sky. Look, all, all this Kanye stuff may very well be performance art, and, and that's all fine and well, but I don't care. A bigot is a bigot. He is what he is. I'm done. I'm finished. I'm, uh, I'm good. 
no more Kanye silliness. Uh, anyone? Oh wait, he he claims that Elon Musk is a half Chinese genetic hybrid. Okay, now I'm paying attention. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Find everything. TonyKatz.locals.com. TonyKatz.locals.com. Kanye, the Jew hater. Oh, he's not? Oh, no, he loves everyone. That's right. That's right. He just wants to go DEFCON 3, not DEFCON, DEFCON 3 on the Jews that he actually loves. He loves everybody, and that's why he's going DEFCON 3. Makes perfect sense. No, no, no. You win this round. He uh, putting out on, um, wait, was he on Twitter? I thought I got, it was on Instagram. He put it on Instagram. Am I the only one who thinks Elon could be half Chinese? Have you ever seen his pics as a child? Take a Chinese genius and mate them with South African supermodel, and we have Elon. I say an Elon because they probably made 10 to 30 Elons, and he's the first genetic hybrid that's stuck. What the hell is that? Remember, it's all fun and games. No, none of it is fun and games. The guy's just ridiculous. And people are going to see, look at this and be like, see, it's just, he, it's just all a, all a shtick. All he's doing is, uh, you know, just, just, uh, not virtue signaling. It's, it's performance art. It's just performance art. It's, um, the guy is human garbage, human garbage. When the headline came out, Kanye West says he believes Elon Musk is a half Chinese genetic hybrid. Musk responded. I take that as a compliment. If I was Elon or advising Elon, don't respond at all. You know what? Maybe it's my fault right here because I'm bringing it the attention. But how do I not share the story of what I see happening, what I see building that this guy's going to get a revival? He's going to get another act. And I'm not interested in this no good. Mm, I'm on radio. Getting another act. He has shown you what he is all about. He has told you who he is. And we were like, wait, is that seriously who you are? And then he showed you again. It was like, son of a bitch. That's who he is. All right, daddy out in this conversation. I'm daddy out. And it's not even the craziest headline of the, uh, of the week or the day. Uh, this from the Washington Post, their opinion. Uh, Shark Week lacks diversity, overrepresents men named Mike, scientists say. That's an actual headline from the Washington Post. That Shark Week lacks diversity. I don't know. I guess not enough uh, female scientists. Is that it? Not enough female scientists? You know, I explain this pretty well on my morning show. People don't watch Shark Week because of the scientists. They watch Shark Week because they're hoping to watch a shark eat someone. That's why they watch Shark Week. Because they're hoping somehow someone will put in a clip of a person being bitten in half. And they'll go, oh my God, did you see that? Do you know why people slow down in car accidents? They slow down in car accidents not because they want to see if everyone's okay. They're upset that they didn't get to see the car accident, and so they slow down to rebuild it in their mind. Or maybe I have it totally wrong, and Shark Week is, of course, uh, lacking diversity because of all those great whites. No? Not too soon? You can't make a great white joke? Shark? Diversity? Great whites, I'm here all week, people. 
I'm here all week. Let me tell you, I got I got millions of them. I'm available for kids' parties, too. We do live in the dumbest timeline. You know that, right? I mean, we've reached the moment of just pathetic. But I'll, I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you actually have written an article... Um, that says Shark Week lacks diversity because the programming overwhelmingly features white men as experts and negative uh, messages about sharks. Um, you, you're, you've got too much free time on your hands. You've got way too much free time uh, and you're too desperate to find something wrong. It does. I'll say it again. This, this wokeness rots the brain. It, make, it makes you dumb. And I hate using that word. TonyCats.locals.com. Tomorrow, everyone, take care.